This is episode 454 for January 2017. You're listening to the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Douglas. All right, we're going to do a little spider history, our first of January. But before we do that, I want to ask for your support. Uh, log on to our front page at SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Look for a button and a widget on the right-hand side that says support this site via PayPal. And uh, you can help pay for our bandwidth costs and our website hosting. That takes to do 400-plus episodes up on our server. So far, our monthly goal, we've reached about 2%. We've had uh, one donation since we uh, last put out a podcast. And I publicly want to thank uh, Mr. Alexander for dropping a few dollars into our pot. And if you'd like to do that, I would appreciate it. All right, JR is ready for the first one of 2017. Let's get on with it. Here comes the Spider-Man. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our first Spider History of 2017. Welcome, JR. Hey, yeah, Happy New Year, blah, blah, blah. It stinks <laughs> as much as the old year did. Oh, you Grinch. Christmas is over. And we have George on the line to help us with a little bit of humor in 2017 and history also. I'm just going to take this shit over. <laughs> Turn around, spare play. Uh, we're, uh, JR, we're headed back to January of 1989, and Web of Spider-Man 46 is the first book we're going to talk about. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. We're starting off with this one because the future ones are are, are one story, so we'll yeah. go ahead and get this one out of the way. Um, so anyway, do the credits. Who is Richard Howell? He is the writer and the penciler on this book. Sounds like a fill-in when Alex Savick oh, wasn't available. Oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> when you open this book up, yes. well, first of all, you already kind of know because, uh, you know, the villain is Necra, you know, who is not a Spider-Man villain. No. And it's guest starring Hank Pym, who otherwise has no business being in a Spider-Man comic book. <laughs> uh, and, and then you open up the first page and you just look at the artwork and you know that you are in fill-in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and we thank you for our, our friends at spiderfan.org for doing this. It says uh, in the background, it says Richard Howell only did one issue of any mainstream Spider-Man title, and this is it. Yep. <laughs> he chose as yep. his villain a character he'd previously penciled in Vision and Scarlet Witch Volume 2 Limited Series. <laughs> wow. Wow. Go ahead, JR. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, it's like I said, you, you just you know you're in fill in hell, and and to be honest, that's really what Web of Spider Man was for. Like, what? It's how many years it didn't have a consistent creative team, which was sad because it started off really well, well. As 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 a writer, it didn't have a consistent writer. Alex Savick was there a hundred, maybe a hundred issues. I don't know. But no, he, I, uh, yeah, but I he didn't have a, a consistent writer. I thought the best Web was uh, the first issue by Louise Simonson, and then when Jerry Conway joined for a couple of years. Well, Peter David had a run on it, too. He did a few stories. He did a, couple, and, he did a great uh, Spider-Man Hulk nightmare story in issue seven. Because I, I, Spider-Man kept changing costumes in mid-panel. <laughs> I thought that black to red, black to red, I thought that was great. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Fill in hell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that's kind of what Webb was. I mean, Webb of Spider-Man was truly, let's have a third Spider-Man book for the hell of it, even if we have no stories to tell. Yeah. Uh, and that's certainly what you got with Webb of Spider-Man. Uh, but anyway, this is the power of hate. Uh -huh. So, you know, Peter is in uh, Cape Cod, 
promoting webs because as i as i recall and i didn't have time to do all the research i think jonah decided to publish a book of peter's photos because he had the legal right to do so yeah but he wanted to involve peter or he had to involve peter anyway so so peter you know he's he's you know making the rounds and making the interview shows and mm-hmm. things of that nature talking about this book so anyway so he here he is in cape, in the cape cod area mm-hmm. you know and he gets off the you know he gets out of his rental car or whatever with the with his handler jeff you know uh you know what, what is interesting. that <laughs> jeff <laughs> jeff wainwright jeff is interesting yeah that's yeah, all i'll say yeah and uh so anyway, they're, you know, they get out of the car, you know, Jeff is his handler, uh, for, for, I guess he's a local and he's the guy who, who shows, uh, the uh, visit Peter, you know, where the best restaurants are, where the best whorehouses are, you know, things of that nature. Uh, George, he made that up. <laughs> I don't think Jeff's the guy to go to, to find out what the best whorehouses are. Uh, well, that, 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 that probably explains then why Peter is, uh, is alone that night in the, uh, in the bedroom, in his bedroom, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so anyway. So he gets out of the car, and this crazy-ass dude starts running at him, you know, yelling, hate outsiders, kill them, hate. So <laughs> you know that, uh, you know that you're, uh, you know, we're going to, we're in for a, uh, a master storytelling here when you have such rich dialogue as this. That's not what you so, want to see at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, Peter makes short work of him. And is saying just, man, this election year is making everyone crazy. So, you know, he's accompanied by, like I said, Jeff, uh, and, uh, you know, Jeff says, yeah, 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 people are acting a bit wacky, you know, and then he makes all kinds of movie references like he's a very bad Tony DiNozzo. Uh, and uh, he says, yeah, everybody's acting wacky, but it's the election year and everyone is really stressed this year. So anyway, um, so at night, like I said, I guess, uh, you know, George was right. Jeff really didn't know where the best whorehouses was. So Peter's just laying there in bed in his underwear. Uh <laughs> You know, thinking, man, I tell you, I can't, you know, I can't get laid and Mary Jane's <laughs> gone and she, I can't get a hold of her so she can talk dirty to me. So it's just me. And wow. My you know, wow. So, it's just, so it's just me and my 12 inch scarlet spider. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So anyway, but before, you know, but, but before he's able to pull it out. Oh, my uh, gosh. You know, <laughs> I, I'm making this story interesting, all right? Oh, I don't know. You're making it dirty. <laughs> I regret every life decision that led me to this night. Oh, gosh. Uh, so anyway. Um, you making it up is more entertaining than the story. <laughs> there's a, there's an explosion outside, you know, and, and they've blown up his rental car, you know, and, and it's a mob outside, you know, yelling, kill him, kill the outsider, hate outsiders. Oh. You know, and Peter looks out the window and, and, and I, th- okay, I I am not making this up. This is Peter's actual dialogue. If stress can cause that, then this town must be run by Juan Valdez. <laughs> Colombian bean picker Juan Valdez. I don't get that joke. <laughs> it's, like, it's a coffee, coffee joke. Yeah, it's like a coffee joke. It's like because what? that's that's what you say when you see your rental car blown up. <laughs> so anyway, I guess that is mundane for Spider-Man, a rental car. I mean, just fought the Hulk or whatever. Basically, he's saying the entire the entire town has had too much coffee. Yeah, that's what he's saying. Mm. <laughs> I mean, even I get that one. Yeah. Uh, Don't you remember the commercials with Juan Valdez? Well, I remember the commercials, but it just I, I just he, don't he's searching the mountains for the best goddamn coffee bean. <laughs> I know who was, and he, and he was always he was always he, he was always packing his ass around with him, you know. Um, <laughs> 
But uh, <laughs> but it's like it just seems like a stretch. I mean, when I see people going wacky, the first thing I'm not thinking of is is coke. I mean, not coke. Yeah, I am thinking of coke. <laughs> Uh, I'm not thinking. Oh, they must be jacked up on coffee. I'm thinking. So, man, so, just... so today instead of saying Juan Valdez, he would say El Chapo. There we go. It's like you know, you know, must be run by the Medellin cartel or yeah. something. Oh, you know, and, and they're handing out free samples. So, so anyway, so Peter decides to change Bob his fire. <laughs> there we go. That would have been better. That would have been better. Oh. So anyway, so Peter, you know, changes the spire man, breaks up the mob. And but he grabs one guy and he yeah. says, "How come you're acting like teenagers at the malls all over the country during the holidays?" What uh, you know, blowing up cars and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't you don't you remember like how, how like teenagers across the country went wacky during over Christmas or whatever and started rioting in malls and stuff? Not and in, you're a newsman. Well, not now, in '89. Name only, I guess. Not in '89. Uh, I don't remember that, but. Alas. No, no, it didn't happen in 89. This but is I'm, when the story I'm takes using, place. I, I'm using modern references to to bring the make the story hey, relevant. Hey, That's why I was talking about the election. I'm making the story hey, relevant to today's audience. You need to chill, Juan Valdez. <laughs> now, see, JR, JR is talking about all this crap that's not even in the book. I know. And then somebody's going to actually go back and read it and be like, none of the shit that JR is talking about is in here. <laughs> Wait, I'll none of the, it. Wal, the Juan Valdez thing that actually happened. I think the Wikipedia page is going to have a few extra hits. Wikipedia, Wikipedia, <laughs> the Wikipedia page on Juan Valdez is going to have an extra couple hits after this show. So anyway, anyway, so Peter grab Peter Spiderman grabs this guy and he says, "I want to know what's going on here." And the guy goes, "I'll tell you nothing. I hate you. I hate outsiders. Outsiders hate hate. Ha ha ha." <laughs> like. Boy, I hope this guy ain't getting a paid a whole lot to write this dialogue. Oh man, this is you bad. Know? And then Spider Man says, "Hey, don't pass, go, don't go blank on me now," because he passes out. Huh? He's passed out. It was, it was as if all that hatred was too much for him. <laughs> He's coming down off the coffee high. <laughs> uh, wow. Anyway, so now Peter. Anyway, so you know, so Peter's uh, new best bud, Gif, calls him. <laughs> Uh, and says, hey, 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 I saw that your rental car got blown up. Uh, we'll get you a new one, but you might have to uh, stay in town another day. And Check out then, the interesting way that Jeff is posed while he's on the phone <laughs> yeah. talking to Peter. Like he's got to air out his, his, his man, you know, his manliness down there. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. He's, yeah, he's, he's. Uh, yeah. Hey, Peter, what you doing? Justice exactly. and St- Sitting there in his briefs, you know, kind of like, uh, uh and anyway, well, we were talking about junk during the. No, no, no. Well, we haven't talked about junk yet because it's that's just an odd way to draw the guy talking on the phone. That's a February issue. That's a February Fight Club, and we haven't talked about that yet because February hasn't happened yet. But anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so, so anyway, this guy says, "Well, we'll get a replacement car for you, but you have to stay with us an extra day." And then, and here we go. Peter says, "Great, an extra day. I'd rather sell USA Today in Latveria." I mean, I'm really, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling to make these connections. Well, anyway, it turns out that everybody in town has been going up the hill to this brand new clinic, you know, because they're. they're oh. God. <laughs> by the way, by the by the way, so, right before we're we're getting uh, to the <sighs> clinic. <laughs> I, I want you to look. I want you to look at because Peter. Yeah, maybe they were going to the whorehouse. <laughs> They all got to go to the clinic. Oh my God! Peter, Peter does the interview. 
And then Jeff slapping him on the back. And look at the date rapey look on Jeff's face. And then we go from that on that page to him looking like Quasimodo on the next page. Oh. He's got the like giant doe face. Oh, man. Like like he like he's had too much bread that day or something. <laughs> too much bread, too much coffee. Like he didn't take his water pill. He's probably got swollen cankles too. <laughs> what an it's awful... a fill in, folks. It's oh. a fill in. It's been in the drawer uh, for a while. You kinda wonder. Um, well, I mean he he goes from looking like a supervillain to looking like uh like uh, like John Matusak in the Goonies, <laughs> like Chunk. I mean, yeah, I mean, he looks like he just. Hey, you guys! By the way, yeah, nice the way of the actor's then, name out. Wow, of Chunk. Yeah, nice. And then uh, you know, and then when he goes to the clinic or whatever, the way he's posed or whatever. I mean, it seems like you know he's his his night job is probably you know with uh, you know with Magic Mike or something like that. <laughs> the hand he, isn't even on his hip; it's just firmly on his own ass. I know, <laughs> no, it's like he's not even resting on his hip or like or like not you know like on his knuckles on his hip. He's palming his own ass. <laughs> and then in the next panel, Peter's playing pocket pool. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Oh. Cody, you're back in number forty six. This one's Peter's gonna be like talking to this to this man hating psychiatrist and she's like, oh. you know, maybe maybe if I just rub my own dice, that will give me a <laughs> little So anyway, anyway, we're, everybody's going uphill to the clinic, you know. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> Because the clinic is full of hippies. Oh God! Uh, they're they're stress. Yeah, everybody's stressed out, you know, because uh, so they go to the clinic with this this new oh. doctor in town, Miss Hatros. So it's like, oh yeah, there's a real stretch here. Okay, Miss Hatros, and everybody's talking about hate in the town. You know, it's uh, mm. you know, either either the the, the villainous is cr- uncreative or the author is. But anyway. So anyway, so Jeff's, you know, Jeff's going in for therapy and Peter being a man who ha- absolutely has no, you know, regard for privacy whatsoever, decides to peek in on <laughs> Jeff's therapy session. And basically what it is, there's a whole bunch of psychedelic lights and people dancing around in their underwear around him. Uh, either that or they're holograms or something, because they they certainly aren't talking like normal people because their 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 word balloons are all squiggly. You know, I mean, so like, you know, like, that means that they're on drugs or something like that. But anyway, they're saying these things like you are in our power now. Our will is your will. And then we have this special effect. Dom, dom, da, dom, dad, dom, dom. Oh, you know, so it's kind of like, yeah, it's well, it's like it's not on the level of doom, doom, but this is Web of Spider-Man. So it doesn't surprise me. They've cheapened out on the vowels. Mm. Anyway. So, anyway, so I don't know what these are, but anyway, these, budget constraints. Yeah. So they, gotta, they, they don't have as many O's. You got you know, to drop, drop some of those O's. Man. Yeah. So anyway, so like the people dancing around in their underwear or whatever, saying you've suppressed your hate long enough. Use it against the outsiders. Hate is power. Hate outsiders. Hate is power. Hate outsiders. You know, and Spider-Man's saying this is nuts. <laughs> it's the last book tour I do. I got ended up in the clinic. <laughs> Oh and, man! Uh, so anyway, so anyway, he overhears one of the 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 dancing the the people dancing in their diapers saying, "Yes, once the drug in their the water weakens their resistance, they make perfect con- converts to our cult." Oh. So anyway, so Spider Man 
you know, even though he's been in the hero business for all these years and he's probably had a degree in just about everything, because I don't know if we really know what the guy's major is, um, you know, because he, he need you know, drugs in the water is, is, is way out of his league. He can't handle that. You know, I mean, he's dealt with clones and, you know, all kinds of other things, but drugs in the water. Nope. So he's got to call a special guest star. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so he decides to call, you know, so who, you know, so anyway, so he decides to call Michael Douglas uh, because this is out in California, you know, and, you know, he gets a Scarlet Witch sitting around in a bikini. Now, Michael Douglas may know where the whorehouses are. (laughs) After, I I mean, hey, he's roamed the streets of San Francisco, so definitely. Um, So anyway, so Spider-Man says, you know, Wanda, I need a I need a guest star because this is a this is a fill in issue. It's a really weak story. I don't think I can carry it by myself. I need a fill in guest star and I need somebody who knows something about uh, 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 drugs and chemistry. I'm wondering uh, if this has been in the drawer since team up was canceled. It feels like a team up, doesn't it? Uh, well, well, sort of, except they yeah. don't start out fighting. Oh, uh, so, so anyway, um, yeah. anyway, he says, yeah, can I have, you know, can I have Michael Douglas or whatever? I need some help. And, uh, you know, they, I need him to drop whatever he's doing, fly across the country and bail my ass out. <laughs> so anyway, so that's what happens. So, so, you know, then uh, he, uh, you know, Hank Pym flies into town. And I, I guess it couldn't have been sitting in a drawer for a while because he's mm-hmm. saying, I can't wait to get back to her, Maria, my first wife. Mm-hmm. And then asterisk Maria Pym's miraculous reappearance is being explained in West Coast Avengers. And I'm thinking, well, hell, it's no wonder that Hank Pym went nuts and slapped the wasp, you know, later on. Because, hell, he's been married more than once. The guy's obviously either crazy or an idiot. <laughs> you know, he's been married more than once. Man. Um so anyway, so, you know, he says, yeah, you know, so he decides to take a sample of the water and said, oh, oh, man, there's, there's some really nasty shit in here. And he goes, I know this shit. It comes out of Africa. <laughs> and then some, some guys in turbans and diapers knock him out. Oh, my God. So anyway, the guy in the turban, you know, they, they drag him to the villainous of the piece. Who's this this pasty white, pasty chick named uh, Necra. The high priest of the cult of hatred. Well, anyway, for those of you, for those of you who know your Marvel, uh, this comes a few years after the Vision and Scarlet Witch miniseries, uh, in which uh, Necra was a was a prominent villain. And here she looks like she's got uh, like goat legs, like she's a (laughs) satyr or something. (laughs) And and she's got Kamikoli old man pelvis. (laughs) <laughs> or, she's, or, or she's a speed Olympic speed skater because that's about how their legs look. You know, all muscle on the bottom and not much on top. But anyway, so Necro decides to go into a supervillain monologue, and you know, like if you didn't think I was crazy enough, here, look behind me. I've got the body of my dead lover right behind mm. me, the Grim Reaper. Uh, even though he's dead right now, you know, I, and I'm packing around his course, I'm going to bring him back to life. But I will. But now, until my man and I are reunited to terrorize our enemies with hatred and death, death. So uh, whatever. <laughs> oh, so I, I don't know what the hell's you know. I, I don't know. And, and, that, she, and that and that panel, Jr. Yeah. Where's where she's where she's got the Grim Reaper in the background. She's saying, "My man and I are reunited." Uh, does she not look like uh, SCTV's Joe Flaherty? <laughs> <laughs> she looks like something. But you know, Count Floyd. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> man. So 
I don't. I don't know if she thinks this is going to bring him back to. I never understood what her what her her whole thing was by, uh, you know, tr- trying to turn these people into our cult. I, I never quite figured what that out. But then again, it's a villain story. We don't have to have any any reasons anyway. Uh, more guys with turbans show up, then and, and diapers show up, then Spider Man shows up, um, and you know, there's the predictable fight, uh, and then uh, Michael Douglas cures everybody, uh, mm. so they stop wearing turbans and diapers. Uh, but Necra and the Green Reaper's dead body get away. Hmm. So, last Dude. panel, last panel where we have the, the summary of everything. You know, as I, as uh, you know, Doctor Pam and Spider Man are walking out, saying, eh, "That was pretty much a waste of both of our times." That's what uh, the reader's saying. <laughs> he says, "You know, Spider Man's saying I'm a little disappointed though that Necra got away after all the trouble she caused and the lives she disrupted. Mm. We never really understood why she did it. She just wanted to spread her culture of hate." So anyway, so Pim goes, "I know what you mean, Spider Man, but I still can't help feeling sorry for her." With her plan to restore her one love, the Reaper thwarted. She's back to an existence of nothing but hopelessness and and hate. Mm. Spider-Man says, I understand, Doc, and I agree. No one should be condemned to a life without love. End. Man. Please lock me away. (laughs) And don't allow the day. Wow. Awful. Awful. First and last. Without love. Spider-Man. Uh, well, you only—if anyway. you would like to purchase this issue after hearing this epic, uh. <laughs> it is going for a whopping dollar seventy on mycomicshop.com. And you paid a dollar for that on the off the rack back. And in the you day, paid right? a buck, yeah. yeah, man. Oh, that was horrible. I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking when I rebuilt my when I filled in the gaps. This is one of the ones I bought when I filled in the gaps in my collection in the mm. early 2000s, um, because you know I started writing for this 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 website called Hero Realm, <laughs> and I was yeah. beginning to run out of ideas of what to write about. So I said, Oh man, I got to go back and get all these issues that you know I missed. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure this was like one of those seven for a dollar deals. But anyway, I, I got to ask one of you guys. Yeah. There's this full-page ad in the story for the Marvel Action Universe. Yeah, I know. All right? Yeah. There's Spider-Man, RoboCop, and Dino Riders. You want, you want, to, you, you want to know the history on that show? I, I don't I don't remember this thing at yeah. all. Well, if you look back on SpiderFan.org, they released a Marvel Action Universe number one issue. And that's tied into it. So basically, Marvel went into syndication with like an hour and a half program. And it had a RoboCop cartoon, and it had a, a dinosaur cartoon, and it had Spider-Man and his amazing friends bundled with it. So, oh, I see. So, so it wasn't new Spider-Man. No, it wasn't new Spider-Man. Oh. And if you look at that Marvel Action Universe number one issue, it's got a new, it looks like a Ron Friends cover. But that is a reprint of that um, one shot that came out when Spider-Man and his amazing friends came out. Uh, remember, it was an adaption of that first episode, and I think John Romita penciled it. I could be wrong, but uh, it's just a reprint of that story. So, Marvel Action Universe didn't last very long at all. It was in syndication, and and you know, Marvel. It was a Marvel Productions show. You know how Marvel Productions did GI Joe and Transformers and uh, Muppet Babies and stuff like that. So that is the history of Marvel Action Hour. It didn't last very long. And I think this I guess is. That, I guess that was before Dark Horse got the license to do RoboCop comics. Yeah. The. Um, the. Oh, what was I going to say? I've totally lost my train of thought. Um, 
It's probably for the best. <laughs> Marvel Action Universe. Oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. This is right around the time when New World Productions purchased Marvel. And they were they were like, we've got all these things uh, in our vault. Let's just see what sticks. So they put um, uh, three cartoons that had nothing to do with anything together. <laughs> Here, I, I'm, there's actually a Wikipedia page. Marvel Action Universe was a weekly syndicated television block for Marvel Productions featuring animated adaptions of Dino Riders and Robocop. It debuted in 88. The first half of the hour was an episode of Dino Riders, the second half an episode of Robocop, and reruns of the 81 Spider-Man cartoon alternating with Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends were aired, making the 90-minute program long in some markets. The block is notable for debuting the X-Men pilot, X-Men Pride of the X-Men, during its second season. Oh my god, there's a second season of this thing? Various other Marvel cartoons began airing during the show's second season as well. To coincide with the airings of various shows on the program, Marvel produced a few comics based on the show. In 1989, a Dino Riders comic series was published by Marvel. Also, the reprint of the original one-shot Spider-Man's Amazing Friends, that was from 81. And in 1990, Marvel published another one-shot comic titled X-Men Animation Special, which was an adaption of Pride of the X-Men that featured cell animation from the cartoon rather than original art. <laughs> Again, in 1990, Marvel published a RoboCop comic adaption, and that lasted for two years. So it was a weekly show. And some of the uh, also some of the other shows that were on in the weekly Marvel 90-minute show was Defenders of the Earth, the Marvel Productions Dungeons and Dragons. That was a good one. You guys, I watched that back in the day. Do you remember? Yeah, that? I remember that one. Yeah. Uh, the Incredible Hulk 1982 show, the new Fantastic Four, which was the 78 show with Herbie. Oh, and, that was a good yeah, one. yeah, that's, and also Spider Woman, which was on ABC. I remember that show too. But there is your. I just did uh, Spider-Man cartoon history and Spider history. I, I kind of took over like Jr. took over Goblin in Fight Club. <laughs> no, because Jr. talked for like like forty minutes. Oh, okay. I just had five. <laughs> All right. The world is still much poorer for it. <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man Volume One, uh, Issue Three Eleven came out in January '89. Jr. Yes, it did. Tell me about that, David McElhinney, Todd McFarlane. Yes, indeed. Now, it definitely an eye-grabbing cover there. Yeah, um, no doubt. You know, I hate to jump on the bandwagon here because I really – I hated that the McFarlane issues always cost me money. You yeah. know, as opposed to like seven for a dollar I could get for everything else, the McFarlane issues always cost dollars, and I always resented him for that. Um, what that, they that, was, the, that was the early version of the Bendis tax. <laughs> <laughs> what year did you stop and pick back up? Oh, Lord, I stopped and picked back up off and on over the years. Um, okay. But it was, like I said, the early 2000s where I decided to really supplant come, the um, – Come back. And I was lucky, too. I mean, I moved uh, – it was around the time in 99 I moved to the northeast Ohio area. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland had uh, – some of them are gone. Some of them are still open. But they had a, a huge number of shops within relatively short driving distances. And I was just able to hit them, you know, kind of like yeah. – you know, you know, and you know, just one after the other, or whatever, and, and pick up a lot of good deals and fill in a lot of gaps in my collection. So, uh, Sako Comics, uh, I yeah. miss you to this day. Uh, <laughs> if you look, you an- another little thing about that cover, mix, I think with this issue, 
maybe the previous, but this issue I started noticing it. If it's because the cover is a big picture of uh, Mysterio with a reflection of Spider-Man coming at him, and if you look by uh, McFarlane's signature on the uh, the art, it has a number next to it, and that number represents how many spiders are hidden in the art. And if you look in Mysterio's wrist. There's a bunch of them down there. There's four spiders on the cover that you had to spot. And and if you look at uh, Spider-Man uh, adjective list number one from 1990, under his signature is a question mark, because even he didn't know how many spiders he put in the art. It's a little bit of McFarlane history for you. Well, why don't you just take over the rest of it? <laughs> We're talking McFarlane, man. I, I, I know my McFarlane. By the way, yeah, I well, hope I, to interview I, him I, in you, 2017. Do you know about his business dealings as well? Because that's another reason. He like, likes to buy balls. <laughs> well, not only that, but I mean, he, 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 he what was it? He, uh, use, he, he uses people indiscriminately in his comic uh, stories. Al Simmons, yeah. And, Al Simmons. Yeah. You know, he just, I think there's been a lot of dubious business dealings over the years. But, and, uh, and Ange- but anyway. Angela and the, the character Angela with Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm off track. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, I'm, but I can see now, I mean, looking back, uh, I, I can see why there was such a sea change, why this, this era was so popular, because yeah. like I said, you got that eye-catching cover, and then, you, you know, you open it up, and, and this is just really a Spider-Man that we've not seen before. Uh, I mean, and, and it's like McFarlane himself said in the the, the extras to the Spider-Man uh, first Spider-Man movie. Everybody was aping Romita for years. Yep. I mean, basically, they had been aping Romita, and so you know, McFarlane comes in and and he just he puts Spider-Man in all kinds of funky positions. The the webbing is just. You know, the spaghetti webbing, I guess, is the best way you can describe it. It's just yeah. all over the place. And uh, and, and the, just the way the lines are going in the costume, the way he draws the eyes. I mean, it's just it's a completely different Spider-Man. I mean, he just seems like he, he literally he seems like he moves faster yes. in these issues. I mean, it's it's a very, very dynamic uh, look. And uh, it's just a shame that then when he drew normal human faces, they all were ugly. Uh <laughs> But, uh, I don't know about that, but so anyway, um, the story starts out because anyway, this is a f- Inferno. Yeah, what the hell is Inferno? Well, Inferno is another one of those goddamn Marvel-wide company crossovers where if you just read like Spider-Man, like I did, you have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> You don't know you, you you don't know what the motivations are, you don't know what the plan is, you don't know anything because you have to read X-Men. And I don't read X-Men. But so anyway, the story begins with the stone lines. I'll complain more about that in next month. I, anyway, I was just trying to think if this was the first uh company wide crossover, but I'm like, no, wait a minute, Secret Wars two was the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. Because you have the little corner box in the right that says it continues. So yeah. you know so I, that, yeah. But this is the first Spider-Man story, I think, that's in the Inferno. Yes. And the story starts out with the stone lines in front of the New York Public Library coming to life. Uh, so, you know, so, so Spider-Man says, oh, what the hell is this? He makes short work of the lions. And then he res- he goes to rescue a couple from a mugging. But he's noting the fog. He said, God, there's a lot of fog. Maybe it's maybe it's just because we've got some record heat in the city. But anyway, then, you know, just like the, the, stone, the stone lions come to life, then the bricks of the wall literally come together to form a big giant. And as Spider-Man prepares to take the giant on, the male of the two people here says he's going to help Spidey. So he baps the giant's leg. Now, I don't know what a bap is or a bap does, but it says bap. <laughs> so he baps him. But anyway, 
what happens then is then the stone giant crushes him, smashes the guy in the pudding, killing him. And then Spidey destroys the giant by throwing a car into it, but he feels like shit. Yeah. This guy died. Oh, poor, oh, poor Tommy. <laughs> poor. But yeah, poor Tommy. That was the guy's name. Poor yeah. Tommy. Tommy is dead. So, you know, like old Judd is dead. But anyway, <laughs> um, we go to, so now we go to the deluxe apartment in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where Peter and Mary Jane are living because yeah, Bedford, you know, in this Bedford. era, in this era, Mary Jane is a rich supermodel yeah. because, you know, we can't think of any other occupation for an intelligent woman, you know, I mean, so, so she's either a model or a hooker. So anyway, so in this case, Mary Jane's a supermodel, you know, yeah. um, and they're rich and they lived in a ritzy condo and everything. So, Anyway, this is before Jonathan Caesar became obsessed with Mary Jane and kicked him out, but that's another story. Well, Peter comes home and his ass is dragging because this guy's death is really bugging him. And he's still moping the next day when he goes to ESU and he runs into Kurt Connors. Well, you know, Kurt is getting the shakes, you know. And you know what's happening when Kurt gets the shakes? It's like George said, Norman and his crazy sweats. You know, Norman would start sweating before he become the goblin. Well, you know, yeah. the Kurt Connors is, is getting the shakes. and, and you Maybe know he needs some happen. coffee from Juan Valdez. <laughs> the last thing Kirk Connors needs. <laughs> so anyway, but um, anyway, so uh, eventually though, Mary Jane talks some sense into him, you know, which is uh, actually what Mary Jane was one of the, her valuable uh, things as a character actually is Peter, you know, when Peter gets into self pity and funk, he tells her to, sh- she tells him to shape up. Yeah. So he does. And uh, he, you know, he, he goes back, he says, well, you know, I left my camera there. I was so bummed out when this, I saw this guy get killed. Uh, I left my camera there. So he goes back to his camera and is like, wait a minute. There should be all kinds of rubble here and areas should be marked off and buildings should be destroyed. There's nothing, nothing. I mean, it's like, it's like a bad dream. It's like an illusion. And then he goes, oh boy, fog, illusion. That means you know who. Yeah. So anyway, it turns out the mugger, the mugger was paid by Mysterio to get Spidey's attention. So Mysterio whipped up this whole thing. The other two people were there as an illusion because he wanted to undermine Spider-Man's confidence. Because if he undermined Spider-Man's confidence, Mysterio could finally beat him. Well, good luck with that. The guy's been neurotic for all these years and you haven't beat him yet. You know, so, you know, but then again, you know, straw villains always have the same, you know, it's, that's why they're straw villains. They're just there for the hero to beat up and then we move on. So Spidey takes out Mysterio in just a couple of pages. That's it. Uh, but the issue ends. Oh, yeah. Old buddy Harry Osborn waking up from a nightmare that involved the Green Goblin. Oh, so he said, oh, oh, God, you know, he's dreaming of the Green Goblin. Oh, my God. And he checks on little Norman. And the Hobgoblin is lurking outside. Jason McIndale, Hobgoblin, to too. To be continued. Yeah. A forgettable but non-offensive little tale, I guess. And, yeah. and really, it's just it, it just it's just Spidey's prelude to Inferno is what it is. It's just a prologue. You think, think the art is better than the storytelling? I, I do. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah. This, I mean, it was almost like a fill-in issue by the regular creative team, yeah. you know, until we get the Inferno story going. I'm loving what McFarlane is doing with the panels. The the panels, instead of square blocks around it or webbings. Uh, I'm just looking at it again. Just fall in love with it again. Uh, spectacular. Oh, 
you, you've got. You've, I, I've uh, got a bad case of McFarland, is what I've got. <laughs> well, you were you were you were you were drooling over the Hulk in the Fight Club or whatever. Yes. And, uh, it's just I the, the McFarland era think, of Spider-Man is is one of my all-time favorites. I just love we, it. we need we yeah, we need to talk to Mrs. Crawlspace and uh, <laughs> see if everything's okay in that household. Uh, All right, anyway. we're moving on to Spec Spidey 146, written by uh, Jerry Conway and our pal Sal Sal Buscema, with a uh, cover of the Hobgoblin and uh, Harry Osborn. Why? What's going on? My factory is attacking me at Osborn Chemical Company. Yes, the Osborn Chemical Company, one of the many names for Osborn's uh, empire, uh, uh, including, like, I think, Osborn Engineering, and until the mid-'90s when yeah. the cartoon came out, Fox cartoon, and, and, and then it became Oscorp, and then it was Oscorp forever. Yeah. Uh, but uh, So that's one of the uh, the, the 90s uh, cartoons uh, c- contributions to the Spider-Man mythology is the name Oscorp. That's true. Uh, so anyway, so we're here. This this story takes place right after Amazing uh, number three hundred and eleven. Uh, so you know, Spidey's swinging around, you know, in, in the in the sky, and then this roof vent comes to life and attacks him. Mm-hmm. You know, but he, but you know, he quickly dispatches it. Uh, although he's getting unnerved because he said, man, so that sounds like Mysterio shit, but you know, I tore this thing up and there ain't nothing there. It's like, you know, if, if it was Mysterio's gimmick, you know, there'd be wires and computer shit and all this kind of stuff making it work, but there's nothing there. So, oh, oh, I don't know. Something weird is going on. <laughs> anyway, the, the scene switches to Mary Jane. Mary Jane is out shopping with cousin Christie. Okay. Uh. Now cousin Christie was a subplot married Mary Jane's cousin. She's like a 14 year old or whatever. She's anorexic. Although we don't know that yet. Uh, she's got the hots for Peter. Uh, uh, wow. Uh, in more way than one. Uh, and, um, so she's staying with them a while. She's staying with Peter and Mary Jane. She literally showed up on the doorstep. She said their parent, her parents are vacationing in Europe, but ah, we find out that actually her parents don't know that she's gone. So, Ooh, you know, something is afoot here. Anyway, so then we go out to uh, where Joe, Joe Robertson's house. Yeah, with his and, wife. Yeah, yeah, and Robbie's walking around with a cane because, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, Tombstone nearly broke his spine not too, too not too long ago because this is near where Tombstone was first introduced. Uh, so Tombstone, you know, in this weird love affair he's got with Robbie, shows his love by breaking by nearly breaking his spine. Anyway, so his the, there were a lot of good stories with Robbie and Tombstone and all that stuff. Yeah. But they were creepy as hell. I never got I did, did Tombstone. It's just like he's weird. It was weird. He had this weird thing. No, it was just it was nice to learn about Joe Robertson's yes. history and that it, you know it was it, it was you know he has a little bit of a checkered past that he overcame and yeah it was interesting. I, I agree. Yeah his, uh, yeah, his wife is pissed off at him because Joe is going to plead. Robbie's going to plead guilty as an accessory to a murder that Tombstone committed twenty years ago. Uh, so basically, you know, Tombstone, uh, Robbie watched Tombstone kill this guy and he did nothing. So he's guilty and his wife calls it out for what it is stupid. Well, that's stupid, but this story is leading into that whole trial of Joe Robertson thing where he goes to jail, which is stupid. <laughs> and then it leads into the, the, the jailbreak Tombstone breaks no. them out. And they go to the Appalachians, <laughs> banjo, you know, and, and not only have I covered that in history, but George covered that in Fight Club. Yeah. And there's more of that weird relationship between Tombstone and Robbie, which never made any sense. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Right? 
So now we go along. By, by the way, did you hear my interview with Jerry Conway talk about banjo just briefly? No, no, I haven't listened. To oh, that okay, one. all right. So, oh, I, I probably should. We, uh, you should, and we talk about you specifically. I don't, I don't see why or how. <laughs> I brought up we the have... book. I wrote. I brought up you and him writing a book together. Uh, and he probably said, "What the hell are you?" You talking might about? have I've to listen. Heard. You might have to listen to the show. <laughs> I'm almost afraid to. It's like I have no contact with this guy. Yeah. Uh, although I did, I did meet him once. I did oh, meet you him. Did. He was in Akron awesome. at a, a comic convention. Nice. And uh, I introduced my son to him. I said, you know, Spencer, this is this the guy who killed Gwen Stacy. Blah blah blah. This is him. Nice. You know. He's such said, a, such you know, a nice said, guy on the phone. I'm so old. I I was reading you the first time that you wrote Spider Man. So. <laughs> and he nice. autographed my um, amazing number one twenty nine, which is fairly beat up. Yeah, uh, it was just it was just a cheapie I got. I mean, the covers all is about to come off, so it's not worth anything. Uh, so I had him sign it anyway. So in Long Island, Harry's having more nightmares. And Liz says, you know what, Harry, you know, we moved into your old man's home. I have absolutely no idea why we left Jersey. Jersey's a nice place. I mean, even though it, it you know, even though the Nets aren't doing any good and they're probably going to move to Brooklyn before too long. And even though Chris Christie is governor and even though his cronies are closing the bridges and things <laughs> like that because they're trying to get. And even though he's going to support a, a wildly unpopular presidential candidate, Jersey's still a nice place. So we ought to get out of here. Uh, you know, but anyway, the hobgoblin is still lurking because he must not have any, anything else to do. He's been lurking for the last, you know, for the last two issues. So anyway, so Harry calls Peter, says, Peter, guy, can you come out to the chemical plant in Manhattan? Because some, something weird is going on and I can't talk about it over the phone. You know, and then Peter's going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I don't need this shit. Harry's going to remember everything, and he's going to become the goblin, and, you know, then he's going to get locked into this stupid-ass child abuse story and eventually die. Um, you skipped anyway. over one of the creepiest moments in Spider history. Go go to the previous page. There is some creepiness. Go yeah, you, sk- you skipped over some stuff there. You skipped over Christy and Peter in the shower. Ew. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. Peter in the shower. Peter, They're not in Peter, the shower together. I, 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 yeah, that's true. Use your words carefully, Jomo. I, I apologize. Go ahead, JR. Do you want to talk about handing the towel? Not really. Okay. I mean, or I, else I it would have been in my notes here. I, mean, just, I know. It's Peter's just taking gross. a shower. Yeah. Peter's taking a shower, and, you know, he throws the door wide open. You know, and, and he's got he soap said, in know, his he, eyes. He can't see. Yeah, he says, MJ, hand me a towel, will yeah. you? Like, he can dodge machine gun fire. <laughs> Can't get his own damn towel. You'd yeah. think the spider sense would go off when you're naked and there's a child in the bathroom with you. And, and, and here's the thing. Why does he assume that Mary Jane is just hanging outside the bathroom watching him shower? Yeah. You know, it's like, why does he assume she's there? You know, it's I mean, because this isn't like, you know, my bathroom, which, you know, there's there's barely enough, you know, barely enough room, you know, to drop your drawers and do your business. You know, I mean, this is a, a big ass bathroom and shower, you know, in a deluxe apartment in the sky. Yeah, yeah. So why does he assume Mary Jane is just like lurking out there? Uh, so unless like she was in the shower with him originally and she just got out. Uh, oh, you know? no, I don't want to think about that. No, but you know, she's fully clothed in the next room. She's not. Yeah. You, yeah, you'd rather think about the fourteen-year-old girl peeping on, peeping on him. Okay, Ugh. yeah. She, well, she says so you anyway. got a cute backside, and you're you're cute when you're wet. Ugh. She didn't say you had a cute backside. I've got three older brothers back home. 
because she I says think... he's cute, but she didn't say cute backside. You're putting shit into the. You're, well, you're Jr. Is, Jr. is contagious. He makes me make shit up. <laughs> <sighs> Blame me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the newsman who can't read is blaming me for something. Uh... So anyway. Thank God we segued away from the plot for that creepy moment. Thanks, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, actually, we're getting to more creepy moments. Okay, okay go because ahead. Uh, reporter Ben Urich is on the scene of a mob killing. Twenty mobsters, all sliced and diced, and a message in blood for the kingpin. You know, and it says, "Kingpin wolves kill." So it's like, oh, it must be a reference to the upcoming Lobo Brothers plot. But anyway, <laughs> so. That, which is what this is. The Lobo brothers were werewolves, uh, brother werewolves that decided to take over the crime scene in New York. Because when you're when you can change into a, a werewolf, that's what you do, you know. So, you know, and, and, you know, and probably Jack Russell was just kicking himself that he didn't think of that gimmick, you know, years before in the 70s. Um, so anyway, coincidentally, you know, Glory Grant is, you know, I, I love that it's a crime scene and everybody is smoking. <laughs> let me look at this panel let's see here oh my gosh the, the bullock wannabe cop is smoking oh man ben Urich is smoking yeah there's a lot of smoke going on there's dead dead men dead women all over the place <laughs> and just let, smoke them if you got them boys light them up boys look, yeah. at, the, look at some of the dead bodies i mean that Look at the way they're posed around the table. It's disturbing. Well, our pal Sal got graphic, didn't he? Yeah, this is a little... Yeah. Yeah, this is scary stuff. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Jar. Yeah, me, sure. Let him sure that, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. oh, stop, stop. <laughs> no, you don't even get to. <laughs> no, sir. No, no, no. Oh, crud. And here I was thinking I would get away with it. But Not after the December Fight Club. You don't get to. You don't get to say a goddamn word. You know? <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Uh, anyway, so so Glory grants. You know, after you know, we go to the bugle, and you know, Jonah and Kate Cushing get into it, and then and then you know, Glory. We follow Glory Grant outside. And she bumps into this suave guy, Rico Suave. You know, and you could just you know the suave guy. You know, and he just. You know, he just he starts, you know, romancing her and he asks her, you know, if he wants she wants to go into his car with rich Corinthian leather, you know, and she's just eating all this shit up, you know, and he introduces himself. My name is Eduardo Lobo. Well, you know, he's going to be fairly significant to the plot yeah. later on. So his name is even in bold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, Peter goes to the Osborne chemical plant. So Harry wanted to talk to him about the dreams. Uh, you know, said so Harry said, "Yeah, I, I I moved back to New York because I just felt I had unfinished business." And Peter's going, "Oh no, no, no!" And uh, so you know, Peter says, "You know what, Harry? You don't need this shit. Sell the effing house. Sell the sell the effing house and move back to Jersey." So, but then all of a sudden, the plant starts coming to life and it attacks Harry. So. Peter changes to Spider-Man and saves Harry, who conveniently is unconscious, so the writer doesn't have to come up with a stupid reason why Harry can't put two and two together. <laughs> so, anyway, so during the melee, the entire plant is destroyed, and Harry is despondent because it was his father's, and it's all that's left of him. Hmm. Well, wait a minute, Harry. You're living in his house, you know, <laughs> but the chemical plant is all you got left of him? You know, and plus he's only got one plant? Really? Really? You know, so anyway, uh, 
But so, but anyway, what Harry doesn't know though is that Norman is is really alive and in Europe and everything. But that'll take a few years to hop on. Right. Yeah. So, Spidey, as Peter happens to see the hobgoblin lurking, you know, because that's what hobgoblin's been doing the last couple of years uh, issues is lurking. And Harry goes home, brushes his teeth, and then in the mirror he looks in the mirror and he sees the face of the Green Goblin. Says, "You're mine, Harry. Always were. Always will be." Daddy's little boy. He's not. He's not brushing his teeth. He just went. Out, he just got a drink of water. <laughs> a drink of water. Oh, spider oh, yeah, history, sure. my just... dimpled ass. <laughs> oh. well, it, it, it's just the way that our pal Sal draws things. It just kind of like he's uh, Harry's dropping this cup, and and it's just like all this like he's brushing his teeth, stuff yeah. bubbles out of it. It doesn't even look like water. So I just assumed it had a consistency consistency of toothpaste. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so, so Harry sees the face of the Green Goblin, and you know we know that shit's going to get real here before long. I I miss Spec. I miss Spec a lot because you know if if uh, Amazing wasn't good and Lord knows Web wasn't good, you at least had one, you had one in three chance one of the books would be good that month because they all had Spectacular different. Spectacular had had a, a lot of times had better stories in it than yes. that month than Amazing did. Exactly. Yeah. It, but it, this is um Spec was yeah. always a B title as opposed yeah. to like Web was the C title, you know? Nah, I'm I'm gonna I'm not gonna say Spec was a solid it, it, it was B It was A it, and B. It, it fluctuated. It was baseline B, but then sometimes it would go into A a lot of the time. I would agree like, like Sinner, yeah, Peter David, etc. Yeah. Like that yeah, right, when, Stern was, when Stern was writing it too, you know, and Stern oh, was yeah. writing it while Denny O'Neill was writing uh, Amazing. It was definitely the A title then. Yeah. So, um, and, and something we've never done in Spider history, Jr., is yes. talk about the annuals. Well, there's probably a pretty good reason. For that, <laughs> the, well, some annuals suck, some don't. This year they suck. <laughs> so we're going to talk about them. for 1989. We were attacked. The Atlantis attacks. We're all through the web spec and amazing annuals. Tell me about this. All I haven't read it since '89. Is it any better? Well, they, were, they were in all of the annuals. Marvel yeah. decided to. I mean, this is. I guess this is '89, right? Uh, yes. And, and this is just. I guess on, we're on the threshold of the comics industry losing its mind. Yeah. Uh, so through every single annual yeah. that year, we get this Atlantis attacks, which I don't understand the plot. I don't understand why Atlantis is attacking because the first story we get here is, or at least us Spider-Man fans, is Amazing Annual 23, and it's already part four. So it's like, what the hell is going on? You know, why are the Atlanteans attacking? I mean, because the Atlanteans, I guess if they're anything like Namor, and Namor is a a big dick. So I guess all the Atlanteans are dicks. And so, you know, they're... um, you know they're they're allied with the Lemurians, you know who are also dicks, I guess, and so they decide they're going to invade the surface world. So anyway, so here's the recap on. Um, okay, when you first crack open Amazing Annual number twenty three, uh, wait a minute, you, I guess you, you better go through the credits first. Oh, sorry, uh, Jerry yeah. Conway and Javier Salteras, who helped uh, Howard Mackey create Ghost Rider a year later. Uh, the. Uh, Oh, uh, Daniel Ketch version of Ghost Rider. Sorry, go ahead. That's the credits. Okay. All right. Um, anyway, the story so far, mm-hmm. as the attacks by the Atlanteans and rebel Lemurians against the surface world continues, the deviant high priest, Gower, 
and Lemurian rebel leader Lyra settle on Magneto's island in the Bermuda Triangle. With the first step of Gower's scheme to rebuild the sinister serpent crown already underway, the second step is quickly accomplished unwittingly by the X-Men. Of course, we don't know what happened because they want us to read X-Men, which I refuse to do. Now, as Gower's plan to bring the serpent god set to Earth near fruition, The third step begins. This sounds like a Spider-Man story, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It sounds awful. This sounds like a Spider-Man story that we want to read. So anyway, so I I think it's. I think it's. I think it's Guar. Huh? I think his (laughs) name is pronounced Guar. Guar. Is that Gower? Guar. I don't think it's Gower. I I think it's. I think it's Guar. Guar. So anyway, that must. He must be the blue guy because in the next two pages we got a blue guy and we got a green chick. But Guar, Guar, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Wow. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Anyway, so there's this blue guy and some green chick. Now, the green chick we've actually seen before. Uh, Lyra, we've actually seen her in Spider-Man because she showed up during Denny O'Neill's run. In Amazing Spider-Man, oh, yes. which, Brad has be- which Brad has become an apologist for. I he actually can't... texted me once and said it wasn't that bad. I like that. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like, you are not worth talking to right now. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so it's like, okay, get rid of the, get, let's, let's stop dealing with these fish people. Let's get the Spidey. Yeah. So anyway, Spidey Spidey goes to the bugle where Mary Jane happens to be there in a convenient plot device where news break out, breaks out that the abomination is on the loose. And for some undisclosed reason, it so happens that She-Hulk is there because She-Hulk is the guest star in this story because there's not nearly enough story. Uh, just kind of, you know, like uh, like Webb we discussed earlier, there's not nearly enough story uh, that one hero can fill. So we got to bring in somebody else. So they bring in the She-Hulk. And like I said, why she's there in a the bugle arguing with Jonah, I don't know. You've already but, jumped, uh, you've jumped to amazing already. You're done with Webb, aren't you? You you've jumped to amazing. No, I refer no, I referred back to Web forty six. Oh, okay, which, got it. Yeah, yeah, because it was like the Hank Pym story because we didn't have enough. Sto- you know, we had no story, so we had to bring another hero. Yeah. Well, here in this uh, annual, we have no story, so I have to bring in another hero. <laughs> uh, and the and the best line is when Jennifer Walters is mad at Jonah for suggesting that the cure for New York's jer- homeless problem was to ship them all to Jersey. <laughs> so. You know, and and Jen, and and uh, Jonah says, "Come on, Ms. Walters. I said I'd help with the bus fare, didn't I?" Um, okay, yeah, that's about the best. Mo- that's about the best moment of this this issue here. So anyway, the green chick and the blue guy do something <laughs> devious with the abomination that involves electricity. Apparently, they've they've teamed up with Tyrannus, the immortal master of ancient Rome, whatever that whoever the hell that is. Um, anyway, they've been switching him and out of the abomination's body. Uh, and they, it, it, this time it causes a massive electrical surge that is seen by both Spidey and She-Hulk, and obviously nobody else, no other superhero in Manhattan, because Spidey and She-Hulk are the only two that respond to it. Uh, now the abomination is mindless right now because when they put took Tyrannus out of his body and put Emil Blonsky or uh, or uh, 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 God, what's his name Tim Roth back into it. Uh, <laughs> The right, right, right now, the uh, the his human half, his human mind is submerged because his soul isn't quite in control of the body. So uh, it's a lot like Brad. Abomination is mindless right now. So anyway, 
so the, you know, Spidey and the She-Hulk are uh, you know running to fight the Abomination, who's who's running wild. The blue guy thinks She-Hulk Hulk would make a great bride for this set guy. Yeah, you know. So, and you'll see that's a common theme. So when like when She-Hulk is knocked out, the blue guy burns a snake tattoo on her neck, calling it the mark of set. She-Hulk throws a gas tanker on the Abomination, who catches fire, jumps over a bridge, lands on a boat, blows up the boat, doesn't reappear. Ha-ha, <laughs> the heroes win. <laughs> the scene goes to Tyrannus visiting Viper in jail, who doesn't look anything like uh, Vi- or was Viper. In, was it Viper who was in the Wolverine? Yes, she, that was uh, Viper, yeah. Doesn't look anything like her. Um, and that is it. That is, honest to God, that is the story. Mm-hmm. So there is nothing there. Uh and, but the the thing is this issue because, uh, like I said, because there's no story and this is an annual, we have to have a whole lot of other backups. Yeah. So we, one one, next- one significant thing of the backups was in that web uh, Spider-Man annual number five. Uh, Steve, yeah. Oh, you want, you want, can I talk about it or you want me? To, well, we what? can talk about it when we get there. We're uh, going to get to that next. We're going to get to the backups. Okay, okay. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to get to the backups in Amazing first. Okay, go ahead, And then sir. we're going to go to Web, and then you can go to the backups in Web, okay? Got it. Go ahead. Okay, okay. okay. I'm with uh, you. Anyway, the reason I wanted to bring up the backups is yes, because, sir. beyond the fact that they're bad, uh, the ba- first backup is called My Science Project, and it almost literally a word-for-word, panel-by-panel retelling of Amazing Fantasy 15 for whatever reason. Except it's drawn by Mark Bagley, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like Mark Bagley stuff, you know. It it's uh, early, yeah. But for whatever reason, I mean, they decided to to put this in here, uh, and then they have like a three page, you know, explanation of Spider Man's spider sense, and then we have Aunt May in her first solo adventure. <laughs> uh, but you know how exciting an Aunt May solo adventure can be. <laughs> Nick Katzenberg is at the Parker home taking a whole bunch of pictures because he thinks he'll learn uh, Peter's secret to taking all those great photos of Spider-Man. Uh, and then uh, Nick says something about Peter hitting the bars. Aunt May gets mad and, ch- and swats, at, swats him with a broom and chases him out. <laughs> and uh, that is pretty much uh, Aunt May's first solo adventure. Katzenberg got off light. When you consider how Aunt May's taken down some people before, like the chameleon. Yeah. Uh-huh. You yeah, know? That's true. Well, even Katzenberg like she walked away. Yeah, when she cracked him on the head at Doctor Octopus's house that time. So, <laughs> oh, so anyway, like then, then we get another backup: Spider-Man's top thirty villain countdown, drawn by Fred Hembeck. Oh, you I like, like I like Hembeck. You like him? Why do you like Hembeck? Hembeck? What the hell was Marvel's fascination with him? He's funny. He had some good. He had little Petey in the back of Marvel Tales but that he, were fun. He doesn't belong in the Spider-Man. Oh, he do, he belongs in a backup. Remember it, it, when Black Cat and, and uh, Spidey fought the fly and him back? Yeah, and I hated it? that issue. You did? <laughs> I hated that issue because it was a momentous I- issue in Spider-Man history because it was the first time that Spider-Man was talking to a woman, starting to talk to a, another woman about his double life. Yeah. You know, he hadn't he had even had this kind of conversation with Mary Jane. You yeah. know, and he was taking Felicia to the Daily Bugle. He was getting close to revealing a secret ID to her. And instead of the regular artist, we get him back drawn it. Yeah. So you feel like it's like a, not even really in the continuity. Yeah. So not a, not a him back fan. It sounds like not in the slightest. And you, then there's well, the the biggest the the the, the problem with this him back thing is that it's a top thirty villain countdown, and you have the human fly on here. You know, you you've got a tarantula. Nowhere is Stegron on here, so it's an incomplete <laughs> list. 
Let, let, let's. Now, I, I don't it have. Is a, it is a pretty stupid list. I'll tell you that. I mean, Puma's on here, uh, and, and 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 like you know, Doctor Doom is his number five villain. What Venom is like number ten or nine or no? Venom is number eight. Here, let's do it real you know, quick. Thirty Red Red Skull, twenty nine Crymaster, Sin Eater. Uh, I'm doing a back to to the top. Then you got uh, Hammerhead, Chameleon, Hydra Man, Shocker. Hydra Man, for crying out loud. <laughs> uh, Shocker, Molten Man, Silvermane, Juggernaut, Fly, Carrion, Jackal, Tarantula, Rhino, Puma, Lizard, Electro, Mysterio, Sandman, J. Jonah Jameson. Burg- yes, that's the, valid. The Burglar. The, the Venom is in front of the Burglar. <laughs> uh, Scorpion, uh, Vulture, uh, Doctor Doom, Kingpin, Craven, Doc Ock is number two, and the Goblin Brothers are number one. Hobgoblin and, and Green. He got number one and two right, and then fu- uh, bl- fucked up everything else. Whoa. It's a stupid list. It's a stupid list. It, I think I think Hembeck just wanted to draw all the villains. Is what that is. Well, he didn't draw Stegron. Yeah, he didn't draw like Stegron. Like said. I mean, he's a dinosaur man. A dinosaur man. <laughs> he is half man, half dinosaur, Brad. The, and, you know, I, as I've said, I have a... Uh, he's half man, half dinosaur. I have a soft spot in my heart for Fred Hembeck art. And I, I liked Fred Hembeck on Facebook. And on my birthday a couple years ago, he wished me a happy birthday. So he has solidified himself in my heart. I'm no, a, I like him back. I'm just I'm a him back. I'm a him back lover. Like I'm a fanalo. I'm a I'm a him back alo. You're a fanalo. Yeah, I like I like Barry. You're a fan. Th- that's an actual term. You're a yeah. fanalo. Now, now actually, grown, Barry Manilow fans are called fanalos. Grown guys do not like Barry Manilow. Maybe, you know, maybe when they're I teenagers and they're con- and they're confused, they like Barry Manilow. I interviewed but- Barry Manilow. I, I he's cool. Oh my god! Does he have the same birthday as you, like Drew Barrymore does? I no. He, he does uh-huh. not. But Barry Manilow donated a bunch of musical instruments to the Joplin High School band after the tornado. And I got to interview him about that. That was what the story was about. So I am a lifelong Fanilow and Himbeckalo. That's, uh-huh. that's a little brand that's kind of friend. Isn't it like, like a David Lee Oh, I brought it all home. <laughs> Everywhere I go. <laughs> Anyway, and also in this issue, there's a, a stupid backup called the Saga of the Serpent Crown Cataclysm, which has absolutely not a goddamn thing to do with Spider-Man. <laughs> and you paid $2 for this monstrosity back in 1989, and considering that the regular titles were going for a dollar, in today's money, you would have paid $8 for this. And frankly, the toilet paper you wipe your ass with is much more valuable than this thing. It's this, got a good cover, though. Oh, by Byrne? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give you that. A burn cover with Liefeld art, <laughs> <laughs> with a personalized license plate of the car that says "Non Muti" that the abomination is holding. Anyway, which means what? What's the point of well, that? Well, remember on all Spider-Man stories in the '90s, he had a little logo that said "The Non Mutant Superhero." The Non Mutant, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> it was on one of the fight clubs that we'll cover next month. I just. <laughs> All right. You, we're going to Web or Spec? No, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the, the next one is Spec Annual number nine. Spec Annual number. Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Another couple of winners who can't, who, who can't uh, support their own books, so they keep showing up in other people's. 
Uh, let's see. I'm I'm trying to pull up the credits for. Uh, there it is. Spec nine. Uh, Jerry Conway again and David Ross. Pencils. <sighs> so anyway, Spider Man's taking pictures of a clinic. Oh, another clinic. Another clinic. <laughs> another clinic. Oh man. Oh man. Well. Anyway, this is Atlantis Attacks Part 6, okay? You know, in Part 4, we don't know what the hell happened in Part 5 because Part 5 was some other... We had to buy some other dumbass annual. What 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 part part was... We have to buy to even get the story. What part was Uh, amazing? That was Part 4. So This was Part 4, so... Oh, it did... Oh, to be continued in the Punisher Annual Number 2. Okay. Because the Punisher is a good fit with invading fish people. (laughs) That's why you read a Punisher story. You we know, ought to so do these annuals more often. <laughs> Invading no, we really shouldn't. <laughs> so oh. anyway, this is part six now of Atlantis Attacks. Anyway, so here's here's this clinic we're going to, and all the druggies in New York are going there. Because this Dr. Tyrone mm-hmm. has a miracle cure for drug addiction. Now, once you see this guy, this is clearly that Tyrannus. So, I mean, the, 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 there's no surprise what's going on here, really. So, he's got this miracle cure, and he's healing all the druggies or whatever. And the thing is, though, it's like, okay, he heals the druggies, but he, but he, it's like he's not done these people any favor because he doesn't cure the reason why they become drug addicts. They'll just become drug addicts again, probably. You know? So, it's like, I don't quite, I don't quite get this. But anyway. Cloak and Dagger are lurking around because they got their powers because they were experimented on with drugs and their drugs interacted with their latent mutant genes and turned them into Cloak and Dagger. So whenever you got a drug story, you got to have Cloak and Dagger because when you think of Cloak and Dagger, you think drugs. Anyway, so, but, uh, you know, and anyway, Tyrannus is going by the name of Dr. Tyrone. So Cloak, whose name is also Tyrone, wants to see what some white dude is doing. I mean, what's a white dude doing with the name of Tyrone? You know, so that's what Cloak is really upset about. <laughs> so, anyway, so Cloak and Dagger, the evil blue guy, thinks Dagger would make a great bride for Set. Well, wait a minute. He thought that She-Hulk was going to make a break, great bride for Set. Now, <coughs> here's the thing. This Set's guy... Trying to, he's trying to set... He's trying to set Set up. <laughs> that's very with, redundant. Uh, with, a, uh, with a, like, a harem. I'm, but yeah. how bad... See, this blue guy must not really like Set. He must hate him. I mean, how can you hate somebody, somebody so much you would sa- saddle them with more than one wife? You have, yeah, you want to <laughs> make them have multiple wives. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you really want to make a guy happy. It's like, you know, giving multiple wives. This guy uh, is goddamn evil. Not only yeah, he, multiple wives, all these wives have powers that could kill you. <laughs> Physically. And so mentally, Clo- I guess. I don't know. So Cloak transports Spider-Man to Central Park, where he's helped by homeless people, so Jerry Conway can make himself feel better by thinking he's brought an important issue to the fore. Mm. Because all these homeless people say, well, we don't have anything, but we're willing to share it with you, and, oh, we're living in this tent, you know, and the cops will probably come and beat the hell out of us, you know, you know and, and Spider-Man swings away saying, boy, I was having a pity party for myself, but other people have it worse than me. Social justice warrior message concluded. Ah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, so the whole crux of this story, Tyrannus in part four broke Viper out of jail. So Viper could create this serum, which then Dr. Tyrone in his clinic injected into the druggies, which will turn them into two-legged serpents. Mm. So at the end, Tyrannus captures Spider-Man and plans on turning him into some kind of lackey. 
And that's the end of that story, which is going to be continued in and continued in. uh, Let's see here. Oh, Daredevil annual number nine. Because of when you think of Daredevil, you also think of invading fish people. Uh, Actually, here's a little Daredevil history. (laughs) Does it involve fish people? No, but I think it's continued in Daredevil number four. And it was a misprint because there had already been a Daredevil annual number four. They had to re redo the numbering the following year because they had two number fours. Welcome to Daredevil history. We have a Prowler, which is in the forefront these days. We have a Prowler backup. Yeah, yeah we have a Prowler backup, you yeah. know, and uh, I, Some... which I just glossed through because it didn't look like it was very interesting at all. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, what? What other thing? We got another stupid ass Hembeck thing. The twenty-five most important women in my life, which is just an excuse for him to draw a bunch of bunch of chicks, you know. <laughs> and he doesn't draw them very well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, fortunately, Mary Jane is number one. Um, is Gwen number two on that list? No, Aunt May's number two, which is kind of creepy. Yeah, uh, his mom is number three, which is even creepier. Gwen doesn't uh, even make the top three. Gwen is number four, so oh. you know. But then again, we always knew Peter had mom issues because, after all, you know, when he uh, was willing to shit all over his marriage and give his marriage up to the devil so he could save some eighty-year-old woman who, did, you know, had a bullet hole in her, you know, we knew he was. We knew he was confused and he had some serious mom issues. So I guess it, you know, the only surprise here is that Aunt May isn't number one ahead of Mary Jane. Mm. So anyway, what else? Oh, and then Mary Jane in her first solo adventure. Mm. Uh, which actually, you know, could have been interesting. She, she's, she has this dream where she uh, sneaks into jail and kills Jonathan Caesar. Um, so actually that was the most interesting part of the story. Mm. Uh, but anyway, there's this big surprise party for her. She has a picture taken of her and Peter kissing and sends it to Jonathan Caesar, the end. And then there's another dumbass serpent saga of the serpent crown story, which I didn't even read. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't understand this. It's it ends with this crown. I Naga emperor of Lemuria become like a God into myself. And Do then you, Naga is the watchers it, there saying Naga began a reign of terror matched by a few other despots in all of earth's history to be continued in daredevil annual number four. I'll be darned. I, I don't have all the, uh, the the chronology. How many annuals were there? Do you have like a checklist at the back of the book? I don't have the book in front of me. Oh, no. They weren't as helpful back then. Oh, okay. You know, now, now they give you a checklist to, so yeah. you know you can wait. You can say, here, kiddies, here's what you should waste your money on now on, on the clone conspiracy-related titles. Um, you know, but no, they didn't have anything so helpful in. Well, they were – what's the cover price on that book? Two bucks. Two Just bucks. Like the okay. previous annual. Let me, bucks. let me let me see here. Terms, eight bucks. You would have paid eight bucks. Here for we go. Terms. Okay, do do the math. We've got uh, Silver Surfer annual, Iron Man annual, X Men annual, Amazing Man annual, Punisher annual, Spec annual, Daredevil annual, Avengers annual, uh, New Mutants annual, X Factor annual, Web annual, Avengers West Coast annual, Thor annual, and Fantastic Four annual. Fourteen times two is how much? That's uh, Gosh, 28, Brad. 28. I was about uh, to say, you have to ask us what 14 times 2 is? Well, I'm, I'm, you really are from Missouri, aren't you? No. JR, he can barely read. Stop making My fun. My goodness. So what, what was the total? 28. And you voted for a dead guy. 28. Yes, that's right. All right. So you paid $28. Do you have your inflation button, JR? $28 in 1989 money is how much now? Well, it would be, uh, see, eight times four, carry you two, three, four times. It would be $112. 
It, this story would cost one hundred and twelve dollars. You would have paid one hundred and twelve dollars. No, today that would no today would have cost more because there were there would have been tie-ins and <laughs> edge of Atlantis attacks and Atlantis <laughs> attack warriors. Wow, that's oh. funny. So anyway, next is Web Annual Number Five, Atlantis which just attacks to <laughs> you want to talk about. So, oh yes, I want to talk about the backup, but you you tell the main story first. Go ahead. All right. Well, do the oh, credits. Oh, sorry, sorry. Let me click on it. Uh, Jerry Conway again, and Javier Salteras. I, I think I gave right. the credits for something else earlier, because that's the same credits. But go ahead. Yeah, you, yeah, you did, but we're used to that. Um, <laughs> anyway, it says, as New York recoils from Atlantean terrorist attacks, Atuma, barbarian leader of Atlantis, unleashes his greatest assault upon the surface world. Dance lot. <sighs> Part 11. Guest starring the Fantastic Four, who are really five because Ben is human, and there's a Rocky Ms. Marvel who's really a female thing. Yeah. So that's Sharon Ventura. Sharon Ventura. Yeah. yeah. For people who are listening and, and hear Ms. Marvel and think Carol Danvers, it's not. It's, no. it's Sharon Ventura. Yeah. She eventually goes evil. So anyway, so Atuma, leader of Atlantis, attacks the surface world. And the story unfolds. It's a narrative between two reporters going back and forth. I mean, one, uh, an, on the field, an on-field reporter and uh, and somebody back at the studio, which actually, you know, probably should be, be right in Brad's wheelhouse, actually. But anyway, so you got this gimmick. All Here's what happens. Atuma attacks the surface. Some big monster then attacks. Evil blue guy kidnaps Sue as another bride of set, because I forgot to tell you back in annual number four, he kidnapped Dagger. Yeah. Which, I, which actually, I think I did say that because then I complained about who's he's giving him multiple wives. So, anyway, so multiple he kidnaps wives, yeah. Sue because she's going to be another bride of set. And then those damn Lemurians, you can't trust them. The Lemurians blow up Atlantis. <laughs> and then when Atuma hears that, you know, he just like, you know, just, you know, becomes a crybaby. Atuma's uh, like, Sergeant your pictures, pushers. turns himself into the un his soldiers crawl back into the water and that is it you know to be continued in west coast avengers annual number four and honest to god you know do you really give a shit by this time right now the other backup which i was going to talk to earlier but uh this this is the right time this is the right time to talk about it because the well one of my pop figures just dropped off my tower it was so excited uh, suicide. <laughs> committed suicide after Atlantis attacks. How, did you guys hear that giant thump? <laughs> uh, this one is starring Spider-Man's professor, Dr. Evan Swan, a.k.a. Captain Universe. And what's uh, special about this, for the first time since the 1960s, Steve Ditko is in a Spider-Man comic. He is penciling this backup story. Guarantee you... When Steve Ditko penciled this, he had no idea it was about Spider-Man's professor, nor would it be in a Spider-Man backup annual. If you go back to listen to that Jerry Conway podcast, I asked him about working with Steve Ditko on this backup. So go ahead, JR. You want to talk about the backups a little bit more? Well, I would just there's really nothing much to talk yeah. about. What did Jer- what did Jerry say about Ditko? You will just have to listen. He talks. Oh, I don't want you're that, just as bad as Marvel trying that's to get a me to tease. Read, no, the, the podcast free. Go back and listen to it. You can hear it. Uh, anyway, so it's it's another one of those Captain Universe. I don't yeah. know why Ditko, Ditko was drawn. He, he seemed like to be the go to guy for the Captain Universe stories. I would agree. Uh, yeah. 
but so any so anyway folks you're getting a it combo spider history ditko news there you go <laughs> so anyway so after the ditko captain universe story which is absolutely inconsequential uh then we have more himbeck's idiotic adventures of Petey. um and then we have then we have another idiotic Himbeck retrospective, Spider-Man's most dubious accessories, which actually would probably be funny if it wasn't drawn by Himbeck. Oh. It features, and then it has Spider-Man's most dubious friends and foes, uh, which includes Top Dog, the Talking Canine. Remember that? Sp- no, Spider-Man was in issue four of Top Dog, which was a Star comic. Remember the what Star was he doing there? Star comics were Marvel's kid line. And Top Dog was uh, one of the creations of uh, oh I forget it was an was an arch George do you remember this it was one of the artists came over that did uh, Richie Rich and what was the company that produced those um, oh Star uh, Charlton Charlton uh, Mar- Mar- Marvel when they started up their uh, Star Comics. They they brought over a few of those artists to start up their comics, and Top Dog was an original creation. By no, Marvel. Harvey, Harvey, Har- comics. no, there you go, perfect, Harvey, Har- Harvey comics, yes, uh, yeah, 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 because I think I think DC got Carlton right. That's because yeah, that's what yeah. the, the Watchmen were originally based on. And one of yeah. one of the uh, one of the books was called Royal Royal Roy, which was obviously a takeoff of uh, Richie Rich, and uh, Marvel sued or no. Uh, Harvey sued Marvel, and, and they don't print Royal Roy anymore. But, uh, alas. <laughs> here it is. Here it is. I've got, I clicked on the link. Uh, in 1985, Harvey Comics sued Star Comics for copyright infringement, claiming that Royal Roy was a blatant copy of Richie Rich. Longtime Harvey creator Lenny Herman had created Royal Roy for Star Comics. Herman died in 1983, before the first issue of Royal Roy was published. Royal Royal Roy was canceled after six issues in March of '86, and Harvey's lawsuit was dropped. The end. There you say go. Roy Royal Roy ten times real fast. I'm good. I can't say Royal Roy once really well. <laughs> oh, that was so, pretty good. So anyway, after Spider-Man's most dubious friends and foes drawn by Henbeck, Spider-Man's most dubious situations drawn by Henbeck, which includes yeah the famous Spider-Man showing the Beyonder how to shake the noodle. Uh, toilet trains the beyonder yeah and then there is a completely unrelated silver sable story which no one gives a shit about and what else in here i mean it's just this is padding i can't believe people paid for this shit well and and we got another saga of the serpent crown where lex luther is conducting a meeting of villains wait a minute there's two lex luthers here (laughs) two bald guys they look the same (laughs) oh and there's another bald guy the watcher you know, a narrating story. And Man, what is it with the bald guy thing? Oh, wait a minute. Obadiah stop. Stane? Obadiah Stane was bald? He No, Obadiah Stane looks like Jeff Bridges. What did Obadiah What did no. Obadiah Stane do? I can't say Roy Roy or Obadiah Stane at all. Obadiah Stane. What, what's Tony his... Stark built the same thing in the, with a box. <laughs> and a with a box of scraps. There you go. I wanted to hear it one more time. Okay, I think that's the last issue, isn't it? Yeah, we don't know what the hell happened to the Atlantis attacks because we never got an ending because we'd had to read some other stupid-ass comic. Yeah, that Atlantis attacks was just unreadable. Even in 1989, I was like, I can't read this. It's awful. 
Well, there's no story. I mean, there's really no story. I mean, in, in all these three issues, there was not a single story. I mean, just heroes would team up, you know, get together, uh, and the villain would, you know, the, vil- the, the villain would, the blue guy would run around in the background and put a serpent tattoo on the girl's neck, and that's it. That's it. What's and you real- paid, yeah. paid $2 for this What's shit. What's really funny is Marvel collected Atlantis attacks in an omnibus uh, years later. So, if you would like to spend $69.99, Amazon has a copy for you <laughs> of Atlantis Attacks. Uh, good month or bad month, JR, for Spider oh, History? Let's see here. Oh, well, pretty much it was a sucky month because yeah. we had, you know, well, I guess the, all the annuals didn't come out this month. But yeah, we we had, we're just hitting the annuals because we haven't ever talked about the annuals. Yeah, we've never talked about the annuals. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, other than 311 with the cool mysterious, the cool McFarlane art, it was, you know, I mean, it was that damned inferno thing. And then, uh, you know, so it's no bad Web, month. Webb really took it back down. Yeah. Webb really killed the curve. <laughs> yeah. Yep. With Necra. Yeah. Necra. With Necra oh, and Michael gosh. Douglas. Yeah. 